This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Welcome, everyone. Those of you that may be with us as guests, we want to welcome all of you. We're glad that you can be with us here today. And as I say so often, yet it is true, this is the day that the Lord has made. So what are we going to do? Rejoice. And what else are we going to do? Yeah, rejoice and be glad in. Hallelujah. I'm glad we have a choice. And that's not to say that we don't have challenges, but thank God we still have a choice. Amen. You know, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, he was sold off into slavery, into Babylon as a young man. And I don't know that we can really appreciate what that would be like to have some enemy host come in and lay siege to your city and country and everything and then haul everybody off and make them slaves. But that's what happened to him. And yet the Bible tells us that this man decided that he was still going to offer praise and thanksgiving to God three times a day and worship God as he had in the past, even though he was in a circumstance that was, well, less than lovely. But you know, God caused him to rise to the top. How many of you know cream always rises to the top? Everybody say, I'm cream. Yeah, amen. Praise God. I mean, you have a choice. You can live, you can be a bottom feeder, or praise God, you can jump out of the water once in a while. It's up to you. And um, so I trust, praise God, you make the right kind of decision along them lines. Amen? Everybody say, I have a choice. choice. You have a choice. You know, sometimes, again, you know, people, because of just Uh, The challenges of life, difficulties of life, um, unexpected things, um, tragedies of life, all of these things uh, lay, attempt at least to lay hold upon our lives. And yet God has made a way for us. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that he works all things for our good. So even though there might be those things that come against us in life, thank God if we'll stay close to him walk in the light of the Word of God, he'll turn what the devil meant for evil into good. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And so thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for His promise to us. Thank God for the salvation that comes as a result of His amazing grace. And we're going to talk about that this morning, so I think you'll be blessed. Let's open our Bibles this morning to uh, John's Gospel, chapter 4. If you can find that opening in your Bibles. John's Gospel, chapter 4. You're probably familiar with the story. Jesus, during his earthly ministry, uh, was doing a lot of itinerating or traveling from city to city and villages and things of that nature, preaching the gospel. And um, they were, during this particular part of his uh, earthly ministry, uh, they were on their way uh, to a destination. And I want to pick it up here Uh, Oh, let's start with verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4, John's Gospel. And Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat us on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, or about noontime. And it says, Then there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy uh, food. 
Then said the woman of Samaria to him, he said, how is it that you being a Jew ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And then Jesus answered and he said to her, if you knew the gift of God, and I want you to remember that phrase right there. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Whence then has you, where do you, where do you have this living water at? And verse 12, he says, um, uh, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and the children and his cattle? And Jesus answered, he said to her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time we have together at your table, as it were, to receive, Father God, from your benevolent and gracious hand. I thank you again, Father, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe, open and ready, Father, to receive that which you have for us. As we pray, Father, I ask you for utterance. Father, it's not important what I have to say. It's what's important is what you have to say to these, your people. So we thank you, Father God, for leading, guiding, directing us, and ministering in a way that will bring blessing, glory, and honor unto your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You know, we're moving toward the holidays. We're celebrating. You know, of course, we just got done with Thanksgiving. I can see all of you are well-fed. Seems to me like you're doing all right there, and uh, which is good. Uh, and so we, as we move through this, this season, of course, we come to what we celebrate as the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And without question, Jesus was the greatest gift of all. There is nothing greater than him. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Because he afforded us eternal life. And he made it possible for us so that we could be forgiven. Aren't you glad you don't have to come around and offer sacrifices for your messed up, goofed up lives? That Jesus made one sacrifice for all of us when he shed his blood and gave his life as a ransom for us all. And he did that because he loved us. And not only that, but it afforded us the privilege of being able to have eternal life. So this morning, I want to talk to you this morning about the gift of eternal life. And I want to kind of focus in on gift. I want to focus in on eternal life, what those things mean a little bit. But uh, you'll notice in the scriptures here that we just got done reading, particularly in verse 10, if you'd look with me again, Jesus, <clears throat> you understand that, that uh, as I mentioned earlier, they were on their way. They stopped at this place. The disciples went into the village to get something to eat. He was sitting there, and here comes a Samaritan woman. Now, here's an important thing for you. You know, we see what's going on within culture and society today, you know, and, and there's <clears throat> all of the uh, accusations of racism, things of that nature. Dude, it's been around for thousands of years. All right, the Jews didn't have any dealings with these people. Are you listening to me? So you talk about segregation, all of those. She was, she was actually taken back by the fact that he even talked to her. He wouldn't, you know, typically they would not even speak to one another. Are you with me? 
So it shouldn't be a thing that we, you know, concern ourselves with, I, I guess, in the context of thinking that it's some new thing. It's not. Now, you know, the interesting thing, if we go back into the historical aspects of this in the Old Testament, you know that God told Israel not to um, essentially uh, take any wives or sons from other ethnic groups. And so, you know, you can see how that could all get started. But you have to understand it wasn't because of the color of their skin. It was because of the gods that they served. And he said, don't do that because they will lead your sons and daughters away uh, after other gods. And he said, you shall have no other gods before me. So they kept themselves, you know, uh, relatively uh, close uh, to one another for that very reason. Now here under the New Testament, everybody say, thank God for the New Testament. Under the New Covenant, thank God, the Bible says that there is no difference, you know, that we are all one in God. And so, you know, the only criteria that really that the New Testament gives us is not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. In other words, we're not, again, it's the fu fundamental principle, don't go off and marry somebody that doesn't believe in God or believe in Jesus because they'll lead you, astray, they'll lead you down a path of destruction and darkness because there's no light in them. So you want to find yourself a believer. Hallelujah. Amen. And I always look at it this way, you know, seek and you shall find. Amen. And God will give you the person that uh, fits your needs. And, you know, some that people argue, is there the perfect person? You know, I, I don't know that you can say there is the perfect person. If you marry him, you're going to find out they ain't perfect. Okay. So I don't know so much about that, but I, I do believe that God has a person for each and every one of us. How about that? Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, that was tough. All right, good. But anyway, so Jesus <clears throat> asked this gal for a drink. She's pretty taken back by the idea, but he said, now notice in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God. Now, he wasn't talking about himself, though he was a gift to all of us, right? Notice it says, and if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says unto thee. So he makes a distinction between him and the gift. If you knew the gift of God, notice what it says in verse 10, and who it is that says to you, give me drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you, what is it? Living water. Now water is a type or it symbolizes the Holy Spirit in both the Old and the New Testament, particularly in the New Testament. Jesus used it often. And you'll notice here, if you drop down in verse 14, um, he says this, well, he said, first of all, in 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, hallelujah, it shall be in him a well of water springing up into what? everlasting life. Isn't that right? So the gift that Jesus is making reference to in the scriptures is eternal or everlasting life. And so there's a lot of things that happen within the context of this. But notice he says, if you knew the gift of God. Now let's just ask ourselves a question this morning. What is a gift? If somebody gives you a gift. You know, if, if they give you a gift, then of course, it's something that you didn't deserve. Isn't that right? 
Huh? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, let's see. Let me find somebody here. Um, you know, I'll, I'll pick on Candom. Can will it be all right? So you'd be all right with this because you see me pull money out of my pocket. Say, so, 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 can if I give you this, I say, you know what? I just really appreciate what you're doing. He's slobbering. He's salivating. I say, Ken, and if you know, I just appreciate what you're doing, and I just, uh, I um, am grateful for you as a young man and what it is that you're doing serving God. <laughs> and so I want you to have this. Oh, thank you. Now, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to invest it. You're going to invest it? Like in your mom and dad, maybe? Take them out to lunch, something like that? So, so if I come over here to Jeff, and I say, Jeff, I tell you what, all the years that you've been so faithful, I want you to have this because my wife and I love you and appreciate you. Thank you. Reluctant, but he did. So neither of these two men knew anything about my doing what it is that I did. And I did it just because of what? Because I appreciate them, because I love them. Do they deserve it? Well, it depends on if you talk to Canon or not, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. <clears throat> I'm just saying that it's a gift. So by definition, you know, it's something that we voluntarily transfer, you know, from one person to the next, and there's no intended compensation. Now, I did make reference to some of the things that they do in the church, but that's not, what I, that's not why I gave it to them. I gave it, I gave it to them because I wanted them to be blessed. Are you listening to me? So then, in that form, it becomes a gift. So, characteristically, a gift, number one, is something that you don't deserve, right? You know, as uh, we, I don't know. For whatever reason, you know, when we're getting ready, Joyce Myers on TV at the same time, and she talked about, again, her parents and a difficult childhood that she had, and she was so upset about the whole thing and didn't want to take care of them. God says, you know, uh, the, the, the line of thinking that she had was, um, why should I do anything for them because they did absolutely nothing for me? And God spoke to her in her heart and said, you're breathing, aren't you? In other words, you're on the planet. Now, I know that might be whatever, but it, she was just talking about being thankful instead of unthankful, where our lives are concerned. So, so when we get a gift, it's not something we deserve. It's just something that someone does for us. And the second characteristic is it has to be received. Now, did you notice Jeff's hesitancy? He goes, nah, man, come on, nah, I don't want to do that, you know. So in other words, somebody can have you a gift or give you a gift, but if you don't receive it, it's not going to benefit you, right? So now he can take Candace out for lunch. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? So the point is, is again, you don't deserve it, and it has to be received. Well, our Heavenly Father is the greatest gift giver of all. He gave us Jesus, glory to God, and he's given us eternal life as a gift. It's not something you deserve. It's not something you ever merit. There isn't anything you can do to deserve it. The whole plan of God was his idea. Everything that he did in Christ Jesus was his idea. Again, Jesus told the woman, if you knew the gift of God, 
you would ask of him and he would give you living water and this will be a well of water that springs up into everlasting life. So thank God for the gift of eternal life that he's given to us. Now you know the scriptures. In Romans chapter 6 and 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift, again, everybody say gift. The gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The way that eternal life is made possible is through the sacrifice of Christ. But again, it is a gift. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, unfortunately, within our culture, you know, over generations and different things of that nature, you know, people, uh, unfortunately, have the mistaken idea that having or receiving eternal life is something that we work for. You'd be surprised if generations behind us at least, that are still living under the understanding that you, if you're a good person, then you'll go to heaven. But good works don't get you to heaven. Only Jesus can get you to heaven. You know, for example, you know, I grew up in a mainline denominational church. I was water baptized according to their um, guidelines, if you want to call it that, in infant baptism. And I'm not opposed to that. If you want to infant baptize your child, you can. We don't do that. We dedicate our children until they reach an age of accountability, and then we allow them to be baptized in water so they actually know what it is that's going on. Well, so what the unfortunate thing is about water baptism is people will hang their hat on that and say, I've been water baptized. I'm a member of the church. You know, they were trying to get me to become a member of the church, but, well, Carrie made it, but I didn't, you know. So we're in a class, and we're going through all the things, and we're memorizing the Nicene Creed, and we're memorizing, you know, the Lord's uh, Prayer and all these different kinds of things. Now, depending on where you come from, you either, you know, forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses. We were trespassers, Okay. And you might talk to some other Protestant, you know, individual, and they say, no, 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 it's debt. Well, you know, I don't know that that's a big deal. And yet somehow or another, we made it that. And, and so my point to saying all of these things is to simply say that, you know, all of those things have their place, but they don't get you into the kingdom of heaven. Are you listening to me? I'm not saying that any of them in and of themselves are bad, you know, but yet right on the other hand, if you have the mistaken idea that that's the way you enter the kingdom and you compare yourselves among yourselves, which the Bible says isn't wise, say, you know, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not as bad as they are. It's not about how you, it's not about your goodness or self-perceived goodness. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Huh? There's none righteous, no, not one. But on, on, in that, you know, <clears throat> you have to understand that there is a way to receive eternal life. We do have a part to play. Are you with me? Though it is a gift, though it is something that God himself is the one who, who made possible, we still have a part to play. There's some things we need to, quote unquote, do. Are you with me? 
All right? And so it's important for us to understand that because, again, people say, well, I believe in God. I believe in God. Well, uh, okay, I'm grateful for that, but, but what does that mean? Do you believe that he exists? Is that what you mean by I believe in God, that, that God exists? And if you do, hallelujah, that's good. But I want you to know that the devil believes too. You know, so in that context, it isn't enough just to believe that he exists. There's so much more by definition to what believing means. And so, so what does that mean? I, don't you think that's an important question? What does it mean to believe in God? Huh? Because after all, I mean, we're saying that we believe. You know, we say that, you know, for example, that we'll preach it all the time. We'll say it all the time, you know, that eternal life is the result of believing in or on the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, I ask you, what does that mean? I mean, I can say that. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does it mean? Again, it, it has to go beyond just the idea that we think that God exists and so we've chosen to believe. Here's some fundamental thoughts about what it means to believe when, in the context of what we're talking about. Number one, you know, we have to believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus asked his own disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? And the Bible says that Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Hallelujah. So that's number one. Number two, you know, we have to believe that only he could die for you and me. Many years ago now, it's probably been two decades ago, Oprah Winfrey, very popular. She actually pastored this country for a lot of years. You say, what do you mean? She told them what re uh, books to read. She told them this. She told them that. She told them the other thing. Well, one day she stood up on her program and said, there are many different ways to God. So our little Baptist gal got her doctrine screwed up. Are you listening to me? And that's the way it can happen. You know, some people over time can be misguided and misled and think a whole lot differently than what they should. She should have stuck to her roots because the Bible says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you can or must be saved except through the name of Jesus. So there aren't many different ways to heaven. There's one way. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you want to go chase something, some other idea or doctrine or whatever the case might be because it makes you feel better, you can do that. But, you know, people say, well, you know, we need to be inclusive. Well, I'm, I, I have no fault or anything against anybody, but, you know, there are parameters, there are guidelines, there are standards. There is a, a way in which we are to approach God. Are you with me? So I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm just saying, dude, don't be, don't be foolish and misguided. Understand the truth. And that's why the world and hell and Satan has done everything it can to take away all absolutes. If I take away all your absolutes, you don't, you're, you're no man's land. There is no compass. You can do whatever it is that you want to do. But my friend, there are absolutes. And so it's important for us to understand these things. So 
Number one, you have to believe that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, that only he could die for you and me. You know, the Bible says, God so loved the world that again he gave his only begotten son as a gift that whosoever believed in him would not, what's the word? Perish. Perish. What does that mean? I mean, we, we need to give definition to perishing. Well, the Bible makes it clear that there's a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And those who don't receive Christ end up perishing in eternal damnation because they didn't choose to be a follower of him and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thank God, I don't, I'm, I'm glad this morning, praise God, that we don't have to perish all because of his grace and because of what he's done for us. So number three, we have to acknowledge. Everybody say acknowledge. acknowledge. You know, when you're talking to someone, they have to acknowledge their need for a savior. Well, I don't need God. I got this, I got that, you know. Well, you do need God. And so we have to acknowledge our need for him. And when I say that, you know, when I, when I say acknowledge my need, it comes with the understanding of a surrendered, the surrendering to his lordship, okay? I use my own testimony because I can only speak from my own experience, but you know, a lot of people told me I need to get saved, and in my heart of hearts, I knew that. I knew I needed God. Everybody knows they need God, but they got all this they got all this baggage. They got all this funky kind of thinking going on and different things. And so they're, they're kind of chasing their tail about the whole deal and, and really not getting down to, as we say in Iowa, the short rows, you know, where, I mean, the rubber meets the road and we really, we start talking about heart issues when it comes to these things. Are you with me? And so it's important for us to understand, you know, that, that God has a plan, he's got a purpose, he has a way, but you know, it only comes when you surrender. So in my experience, you know, I walked the aisle a time or two, but you know, I really, my heart did not go with me. My body took the trip. Are you with me? But, but to say that I came here to, to give God all of my heart, all my soul, and all of my strength was not true. I was doing it because someone basically coerced me to do it, okay? Now again, I knew it here and I even knew it here, but I wasn't ready or willing to give it up. You with me? For stupid reasons. You know, a lot of times we won't give our heart to the Lord because we're concerned about what other people think. Dude, you, you need to get delivered from everybody else because they're not gonna be there when you stand before him. Are you listening to me? And so I did that for a few times and, and it really wasn't until, and you know, even you've, you've heard our testimony, but when Joan got saved, uh, my whole motive, you talk about motive, my whole motive, when she said, I've received Christ as my Lord and Savior and I'm gonna live for him and our relationship is over, you know? I'm thinking, I remember sitting around a fire going, man, they brainwashed her. Well, praise God, she got washed in the blood is what she got. You know, so I'm chasing her, not because I love Jesus, not because I want Jesus, but because I want Joan. So girls, be careful about who's chasing who for what reasons. 
Maybe that'd be true for guys, too. You with me? But in my pursuit, I ran into him. And I got enough of the Word of God on the inside of me to realize that, you know, it, salvation necessitates a commitment and a surrender to Christ. So again, as I'm driving down the road, I come to this place of saying, Lord, I need you, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. And in that moment, everything changed. And that element is essential. And it, 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 it smacks against all religion that says, no, we have all these perfunctories and all of these different kinds of things, and you jump through our hoops and you'll be okay. But see, all of the hoop jumping doesn't do anything with the condition of your heart. Are you with me? And so people are at an impasse. And there's going to be a lot of folk that enter into eternity, and I tell you what, it's not going to be a pleasant experience for them because they thought a certain way. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we talk to people about giving their hearts to the Lord. I mean, genuinely give your life to Him so that you can be saved, so that you can experience everlasting life. And so then number four, and this is an important thing, you know, uh, let me go through that list again with you real quick. Number one, you have to believe he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, that only he could die for you and I, that you must acknowledge your need for a Savior. And here's a number four, this is important. You, you, you have to receive him. You have to take him as your Lord and as your Savior. I share the story with my brother Bob. He'd went through a divorce because of alcohol and it had destroyed his family and everything. And, and, um, <clears throat> but prior to that, I was trying to get my brother to, to, to receive Christ. And he says, well, I just believe. That, that right there, uh, uh, that's a problem. Just believe. I just believe. Well, if you don't believe in line with the Bible, where are we at? So he said, well, I just believe that if God's going to save me, he'll save me. In other words, he was into predestination, probably without even knowing it. You know, if, if I'm going to, you know, if it was my, if it's my fate, you know, to be saved, then I'll be saved. You know, if God wants to save me, he will. If he doesn't, he won't. And I just told him, you know, and I was pretty, uh, this was early on in our salvation, so I didn't have a lot of tact. And I just said, well, Bob, I can tell you right now, you're going to bust the gates of hell wide open. Well, then conversation got a little silent because it was hard. But, you know, the Bible does talk about saving some by fear, you know, in the book of Jude. So I don't know. You know, I mean, we just kind of left it there because he was mistaken. He didn't know. But here's the thing about that is, is that he didn't want the responsibility are you listening to me? I mean, at the end of the day, that's really where that whole deal is. I, I don't want to have to be responsible. But you are. We are. How our lives go, where they go, and, and, and what happens in them. Well, I'm glad to say, praise God, he ran into a gal after his divorce, and she's a little Pentecostal woman, you know, and she got him saved and got him set free from alcohol. And, you know, he got all turned on to the Word of God, came here one Sunday morning, got filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 
So his life's, you know, completely turned around because of Jesus and because he realized I have a part, I have to receive him. Hallelujah. And I think sometimes, you know, when it comes to many of the promises that God has for us, that's one of our biggest problems is, is we don't know how to receive. Are you with me? Hallelujah. God will meet us where we are. Now, here's another uh, thing, you know, when we talk about eternal life. Y'all doing all right? Yeah. Okay, this is pretty fundamental and basic, but it's good. Amen? <clears throat> here's another thing about eternal life. Well, let me just close that, that other thing by saying this, that we're talking about decisions that are made within our heart. See, the Bible says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Not here, here. Are you with me? So when we talk about eternal life, you know, pe people have, again, this is a mistaken idea, but they have the mistaken idea that, you know, when we talk about eternal life, that just means that we're going to live forever up in heaven. And that's not true. Yes, it is true, but that's not all there is to eternal life. You know, you want, you want, you, you, you want eternal life? Yep, want to go to heaven. But eternal life is so much more than that as a believer and as a child of God. It's, it's, it's more than going to heaven. Let's look at this verse of scripture in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. John writes and he said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. How many of you this morning here believe on the name of the Son of God? Can I see your hand? Okay, you believe on the name of the Son of God. He goes on then to say that you may know that you have, everybody say have have eternal life. So it's not like we're going to get eternal life. It isn't that eternal life represents that we're just going to go to heaven. No, eternal life is something that God gives to us when we're born again. And you either have it or you don't. Are you with me? You're either born of the Spirit of God, but when we receive Christ, we receive eternal life, and thank God we become a new creation in Him. Look with me if you would, uh, well, maybe I'll just reference 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things have passed away. Aren't you glad for that? Hallelujah. And all things are become new. Glory to God forevermore. The old man has died, the new has come. So again, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Well, now let me ask you an important question. When we become a new creation, does our body change? No. When we become a new creation, does our thinking or our mind change? No. So what is it that Paul's talking about here? He's talking about your heart, the real you, the spirit part of man, what really, who you really are becomes a new creation in Christ. Does that make sense to you? When Paul was writing, he said, I pray God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he, he identifies the fact that you and I are a three-part being. And Dars, can you take away that mm, thing? <clears throat> We're a three-part being. The real you is spirit. And you have a mind or a soul, and you live in this body. Now, the body is temporal. We know it's going to die. Thank you. That works out real good. Uh, 
the body is temporal. You know, the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, after that the judgment. You know, now let me let me clarify that. Some people say, well, you know, we're appointed, you know, it's appointed unto man once to die. So I guess if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Whenever I die, if I die, you're going to die. There's no if about that. But, you know, you have a part to play on when you die. You say you do? Yeah, read the book of Proverbs. It says that people, follow, follow, people that follow God and they live for God and they obey God, he gives them long life. So don't you have a part to play? Yes. Yeah, you're, there is, you are appointed, you know, at some point, but thank God you have some say-so in that too. Now, if you want to live like the devil, you want to abuse your body, you want to do all the things you know that are detrimental, then probably chances are you're not going to live out the full length of your days. Man, I'm so glad to be saved, you guys. My wife and I just got done talking about it. I mean, I wouldn't even be alive today if it weren't for Jesus. I'm confident of that. But thank God when I came to know him, he changed my life from the inside out and made me a new creation, glory to God, so that I wouldn't have to be bound by the things that are in this world and darkness and sin. You know, Paul wrote this way, he reasoned. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? He said, God forbid, how should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I'm dead to sin. Thank God the old man died. You know, I'll run into people all the time. They say, oh, yeah, I remember how you was. Well, that guy died. When I met Jesus, I went into the grave with him and was raised again into newness of life. And that guy doesn't exist anymore. And thank God that man of sin or the nature of sin and all of that is over with, thank God, and sin shall not have dominion over me. What does that mean? That means, praise God, you don't have to be bound by anything because he came and shed his blood and gave his life and gave you new life so that, praise God, you could walk and dominate your flesh instead of your flesh dominating you. Hallelujah. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Aren't you glad for that? You know, you'll hear people all the time that say, well, I just can't change. I can't this. I can't that. That's a lie. It's simply a lie. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things that are, you know, pushing and pressing and all of the different things that, you know, we have to deal with. But I'm telling you what, praise God, you just need to say, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to the dominion of that in my life. I'm dead to alcohol. I'm dead to drugs. I'm dead to that stuff. Thank God I'm a new creation in Christ. The devil wants to hold you back in your old life. And you got to come to understand, man, that is not me. This is me. And that's really what we're talking about now because I've kind of moved from, you know, talking about the plan of salvation into what we as believers can walk in if we'll just come to know and understand it. Are you listening to me? I mean, there's freedom in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So, so this, this, this change of being a new creation takes place within our spiritual man. And the reason I bring a lot of this up is, is that so many of these things are so indistinct. 
to many Christians because we live so in the natural. We don't read our Bibles. We don't, you know, give consideration to what it is that the Bible's talking about and what, what it is that God has done. We don't live within that reality. We live in the reality of the world. And then we're dominated by the flesh and, you know, what people think and things, you know, that are being said and all of these different kinds of things. That's why the Bible says that you and I are to renew our minds to the Word of God. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed in the way that you think. Are you listening to me? And thank God He's given us the Bible, the Word of God, to straighten out our thinking. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So, the real you is spirit, and you have a soul, you live in a body. Listen to these verses of Scripture. Jesus made this statement. He said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will listen, come unto him, listen, and make, the King James uses the word abode, make our home abode with him. So read it again. If a man love me, he'll keep my words. My Father will love him. We will come, and we will make, come unto him, and make our home with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 16, Paul said, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? Hallelujah. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He's in you. I mean, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit, is in, he's come to make his home in you. That was the thing that was so amazing when I got saved because sin left, consciousness of sin left, and all of a sudden, man, I was the freest I'd ever been in my life, and I couldn't explain it. How many of you can attest to that? I mean, it was so supernatural. Hallelujah. Why? Because he took up residence and all the other junk left. Hallelujah. Another verse of Scripture. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6 and 16, he said, For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. I tell you what, dear friends, if we'd learn to develop and follow our spirits, it would absolutely revolutionize your life. Hallelujah. You'd start, you know, you'd stop talking ugly to your spouse. You'd start, you know, stop messing around and yelling at your kids, you know. Stuff like that. Huh? This is the place from which God wants us to learn to function. To keep ourselves in the love of God. You have to do that. I have to do that. You know, if you, if you get out in the world and you listen to it for very long, pretty soon you're just as messed up as they are. Am I in the right house? So you gotta, you gotta work, if that's the right way to say it, not to allow yourself to be influenced, you know, by whatever it is that's going on within the lives of other people. Our, our spiritual father, uh, Kenneth Hagin, he, met, he tells a story of when he was young and his, uh, his mother, um, um, well, there, it'd be his grandfather on his mother's side had passed away and there was the inheritance and they were going to uh, contest, 
you know, the, the, um, the will and try to get all of his mother's um, inheritance away from her. And he knew the uncle that was doing it. So he, uh, what ended up happening is, is that, that uh, Brother Hagin's brother went down there, Dub went down there to talk to him, and it didn't go well. How many of you ever been in a meeting where it didn't go well? You know, and so uh, Brother Hagin asked him, he said, well, did you get it taken care of? He goes, no, nah, that didn't go so good. And he says, I'll do it. And so he goes down there, <laughs> and uh, he's talking to this uncle. He knows all the time, this is the guy that's trying to cheat his mother out of her inheritance. And uh, so, so this uncle says, well, you know, what are you going to do about this or, what, or something to that effect? I don't remember what it was. And Brother Hagin just said, well, you know what? I've got some inside information. <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, you do? He says, oh, yeah. He says, my mother's going to get everything that comes to her or everything she's deserving of. And all of a sudden, he changed his tune and said, well, you know, I'm going to make sure that Lily gets her point and blah, 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 blah. Well, she did get her inheritance, and yet that was the, the dude that was after it, you know? And I remember he talks about how that in his family, I know this never happens in your family, but they're yelling and screaming at one another, you know, about this, that, and the other. And he would always say, greater is the love of God and greater is he that is in me. While they're screaming and yelling, you know, he'd just say, thank God greater is he that's in me than the hate that is in you. And you're going to run into that. I mean, there's just people, they're just ornery, they're, mess they're, they're in pain. You know, there's all different kinds of reasons why people react the way that they do. But dear friend, you're a child of God. You're born of his spirit. And he wants you to learn to follow and develop yourself in the love of God and keep yourself there. And don't play into the hand of the enemy because that's all it really is. It's an intent to kill, steal, and to destroy and ruin your life. Are you listening to me? But thank God we don't have to play that game. I said, thank God we don't have to play that game. That we can go a better, we can take a better path. Are you listening to me? You know, people a lot of times, you know, I mean, it, it, it can happen on any level. You know, your passion, your desire, your hunger for God, your desire to be engaged in kingdom business and all of that. You know, you'll have family members, even maybe close friends, and they'll just, you know, they'll come against you about it. One of the reasons is, is they feel guilty. You know, they ain't doing nothing. They ain't living for God. They ain't. And so what they try to do is they try to bring you down instead of you lifting or staying up, let's put it that way, and say, hey, you can do what you want, man, but I'm going to live for Jesus forever, and I'm going to do everything he wants me to do until he comes because, praise God, the king is coming. And that's a decision. That's a choice that you and I can make. Well, you don't have to be all that, and you don't have to do this. You know, I don't even think about having to do anything. I get to. It is an honor. Listen to me, you guys. It is an honor for you to represent the king in this earth. It is an honor and a privilege for you to stand with a standard that is acceptable unto him in obedience to, it is an honor for you to stand in that place and say, I believe in God. Amen. Are you listening to me? What a grace that is upon our lives. That's why Paul said, dude, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to everyone who believes. Glory to God.
Are you listening to me? So, where are we? Wow. Okay. So, it's this place of being a new creation that God wants us to learn to function from. Somebody comes against you, you know, you don't overcome, you know, uh, good with evil. You overcome evil with what? Good. Good. Hallelujah. You know, a soft answer turns away wrath. Are you listening to me? And we all get into those. I mean, we're walking down the road of life, minding our own business, all of a sudden, pow, here comes this deal, and you have an opportunity to respond. Mind right how smile a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and just smile. That way I know, you know, you're not dying. Okay, good. All right, that's good. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, your first reaction might want to be something, but thank God if you keep yourself in love of God, you pull her back. Pull her back. Huh? Zip your lip, whatever, however you want to define it, and say, well, now listen, you know, wait a minute. And you know, even when it comes to the love of God, you guys, sometimes, you know, we want to judge things before we have all the facts. Are you with me? Oh, well, they're meh, 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 meh. Well, you don't know that. You know, so, so, so sometimes you just have to, you know, kind of wade into it and say, you know, uh, can you help me understand? I mean, you know, what, where we're at here? Instead of just being so accusatory. Am I in the right house? Huh? Hallelujah. Well, it's good anyway. Praise God. So he wants us to learn to function within this new creation reality. And it's the place from which all guidance and direction is going to come to you where your life is concerned. This is another thing. You know, people say, well, God, if you want me to, then, you know, make, make the bleachers wet and the ground dry or the ground wet and the bleachers dry or whatever, you know. We put out these fleeces. You know, I need a sign, Lord. What you need is the Word. Amen. And you need to learn to listen on the inside of you. Now, if you'll just stay with me for a few minutes, I'll help you. Then I'll bless you, praise God, and it'll keep you out of trouble. How many of you are interested in that? Some of you are. Okay, great. Good. Hallelujah. So all guidance comes from within. You know, we call it the inward witness. We call it the inward voice. Sometimes, you know, it'll be the voice of the Spirit of God. When that happens, it's more authoritative. But, but we don't need to get into all of that. Just let me, you know, how do we identify the Lord's leading? Because it's from your innermost being that He will lead and guide you. And first and foremost, for you to learn this, what you hear from heaven always agrees with the Word. The Word and the Spirit agree. The Spirit of God isn't going to tell you something that doesn't line up with the Bible. Okay? That's all, I mean, that's, that's simple enough. You know, a lot of times we think, well, you know, the Lord's leading me. And a lot of times, it ain't the Lord, man, it's your flesh. Come on. It's what we want. Okay, that went over really good. But how do we identify these things? I got a fly bothering me. Again, he's going to have to die. Acts chapter 23, verse 1, Paul said, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, he said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Now, you you would do yourself well to do a study. Maybe run your references on the word conscience 
and see what it is that Paul had to say in the New Testament. Because if you read it, Paul, is he up there? Huh? He did, good. Anyway, if you read or you do a study, you'll find that Paul never violated his conscience. And the reason is, is conscience is the voice of your spirit. That's the real you. Are you with me? In other words, conscience oftentimes will say, uh-uh, don't go there. Or when you do go there, conscience will say, you screwed up. Am I in the right house? Okay. So conscience, God gave you a conscience. Now the Bible talks about people having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What does that mean? It means it becomes calloused. In other words, God's trying to lead them and guide them and they're resisting or they're bowing their neck against it and they're going and doing their other thing. Well, if you keep that up, you won't hear him. You know, have you ever shook hands with somebody, you know, and their hand, like mine, I got wussy hands, you know, because all I'm ever holding is a pencil, you know, but you'll, you'll grab a hold of somebody's hand and maybe it's a farmer or something like that and they've been out doing chores and I tell you what, man, they got callous, it's rough and there's all kinds of, you know, stuff there. What is that? Well, because of the environment that their hands have been in, they've developed these calluses and things. It's not soft, it's not pliable, but it is necessary, you know, for what it is that they're doing, like a horse girl, you know? Let me see your hand. Not bad, you got lotion on them, they'll be all right. Hallelujah. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, if, if you're not careful and God's trying to deal with you, if you, if you keep pushing him away, he'll leave you alone. Are you listening to me? But you know, you can become tenderhearted. That's why the Bible says, you know, um, it says, what does it say? Uh, Mary, you got that one down? Listen to this. Um, uh, it's worth reading. <clears throat> it says, let all bitterness, wrath, clamor, and anger Evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You know, if you want to live an angry life, you can. But you don't have to. Are you with me? You can choose. And you say, you know what, Lord? And, and you know, I mean, ask him to help you. And then praise God, put your best foot forward and do right by what it is that he says. Are you listening to me? But your conscience is the voice of your spirit and it will guide you in the way that you should go. So if you listen to your con uh, conscience, you'll know. Conscience is the voice of the human spirit. And if you're born again, your conscience is a safe guide. Now, if you're living out in the world and you don't know Jesus, your conscience ain't nothing but lost. Are you with me? But if you're a child of God, you got a safe guide to know, you know, where it is that you should go. The Bible says this. It says that um, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Now, bear in mind, he dwells within your spirit, uh, the real you. He's the one that says, eh, or he says, yeah. You know, so the Spirit, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. 
And it also then goes on to say in verse 16, it says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How many know you're saved today? Well, how do you know that? Well, my grandmother told me. (laughs) That's not going to work. No, you know it because he dwells on the inside of you. Isn't that right? You know, because he's in you. He dwells in you. And so, you know, I mean, nobody could ever talk talk me out of the fact I'd been born again. Mine was so dramatic, man. I mean, you know, it was like light and dark, kaboom, you know. So somebody would say, well, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't jump through the hoops, you know, you missed out on this or whatever, you did bad things. None of it would have had any impact on me whatsoever because I knew in my heart that I was born in the Spirit of God. And I knew that it was by His grace. I didn't deserve a dime of it. Aren't you glad for that this morning? So your heart, you know, the real you, the part that's going to heaven, hallelujah, you know, it, 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 the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you, and He'll guide you. He'll tell you what to do, and He'll lead you in the way that you should go. Now, to close, let me just share this verse of Scripture with you, and we'll probably have to uh, button this thing up for today. Go to John chapter 1 and look at this verse of Scripture with me, because this is, this is really, I mean, I might try to develop this I don't know with the holidays whether we'll be able to or not, but I'd love to to develop this more with you because, man, I'm telling you what, praise God. God wants you to win in life. Are you listening to me? And the way that you do it is by following him. You know? You gotta, you gotta, you, you have to learn to do what he tells you to do and not yield to your flesh. I tell the story all the time. I'm sitting in a bar, the Depot Lounge in Council Bluffs, and the Lord speaks. I don't even know that you could say that, yes, he, he did, but it was my own heart. You know, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear these words. You don't belong here. And I literally, out loud, said, I don't belong here. I'm not sure why, but I don't belong here. No, I knew why, because I was in a place of darkness. Huh? Hanging out with a bunch of unbelieving people, you know, that didn't, you know, care anything about God. And so I walked out the door and didn't go back. Now, if I'd have stayed there, if I'd have pushed that down, if I hadn't listened to it and say, well, you know, I ain't going to do that. I mean, you know, these are my friends or whatever, you know, whatever the reasoning would be, then, then I'd still be all jacked and messed up and, and living a defeated Christian life. Are you with me? So thank God we got to listen to the Holy Ghost. A lot of times people, you know, they try to explain all kinds of things away because, you know, they're letting their flesh dominate them. You know, if we'd learn to listen to the Holy Ghost, we wouldn't let these things happen to our lives. But the devil's a master liar. Huh? Yeah, I was just dealing with a battle here even just this last week, you know, and, you know, you get to thinking things and, you know, if you're not careful, <clears throat> you can get to meditating on the wrong stuff. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I went downstairs, you know, and I was just spending some time in prayer, and I was reading a book, and all of a sudden I realized, you know, all of a sudden I got to thinking about my thought pattern and how I was thinking, and it was so simple. I just asked myself the question, is, would God be the one that was, you know, uh, encouraging this kind of thought and thought life? And immediately, I laughed. I thought, no, man, for crying out loud. Well, then you know it's the devil. Are you listening to me? And you can put him on the run. Where were we? John chapter 1, verse 1. 
Notice with me real quickly. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's, who's it talking about? It's talking about Jesus, right? Let's read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now listen to this verse. In Him was life, and the life was the what? The light of men. Or you could say the life is the illumination of men. So He's dwelling in you and me. And he will lighten our path. He will illuminate our way. Why? Because he's dwelling on the inside of us. Are you listening to me? And so when we learn to follow him, praise God, he'll lead us out of darkness and into, praise God, his marvelous light. Here's another thing Jesus said. We, well, let me just make this statement. You've got to learn to walk in the light of life. Walk in the light of life. He's in you. He'll give you light. He'll give you instruction. And he will show you the way. Jesus said this. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And he says, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I'm telling you guys, God wants to put you over. He wants to lead you in the way that you should go. When we get into those difficult kinds of situations and we need his guidance, we need his counsel, God, how do I deal with this? What do I do here? You know, I've got this situation going on in my family. I've got this situation going on in my personal life, I, you know, or, or a relationship, or I've got this challenge or this struggle that I'm dealing with. I'm telling you, God will give you light and he'll give you understanding and he'll help you. He'll increase your intelligence. You ask my wife. I mean, when I got saved, a lot of things changed and she was thinking, thank God, you know? I mean, amazing things because I was brought up a certain way and you think a certain way and some of the ways that you think, you don't know any different, it's just the way you brought up. But then all of a sudden I started reading the word you know, I'll give you a great example. You know, I mean, I grew up in a home that we never did really have anything. My dad was an alcoholic. He drank it all away. So, you know, we lived in a shack of a house. You know, I wish I had a picture of that. We needed to search that up. But, you know, both the porches are falling off this thing. Well, when you grow up in that, you don't think any different. You just kind of think, well, this is the way we live life. Well, when I got saved, all of a sudden, you know, the Word of God says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And I tell you, my soul needed some prosperity. Huh? I needed to learn some things, and all of a sudden, we were just talking about it on the way to church. When we first got started in ministry, I had this polyester, funky, you know, it was blue, and it was like, I don't know, was it paisley? Did it have a paisley design? I don't know, it was ugly, man. But that's all I had. I had that, and I had a brown leisure suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're styling. My wife had two dresses and a little white jacket. And we had that for a long time. But you know what? It ain't that way no more. Are you listening to me? 
Now, it's been 45 years, but, you know, I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, I didn't know any of that. But when I got the light of life on the inside of me, everything changed. Are you listening to me? Yeah, we had some battles. We had to get past a bunch of religious junk and, you know, people that believe things that aren't true. But I'll tell you what, if you'll learn to listen to the Holy Ghost, he'll lead you into the way of success. He'll bless you. He'll tell you not to go places where you don't belong. Some people, you know, they give themselves, you know, they, they have these friendships and they kind of try to, you know, make them work and different things like that. Dude, there's friendships you don't need. Why? Because you're weak. Are you listening to me? And it isn't, it isn't contributing to your well-being at all. More than likely, they're influencing you in a negative kind of way. Am I in the right house? Okay. These are the things that we deal with. And here's the other thing that I'll just close with. God never leads in the way of fear, worry, and anxiety. So if you are experiencing that in your life, that's not God. Are you with me? And you need to recognize it for what it is and say, this isn't God. And so you just have to refuse to be afraid. Well, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? You know, and all of these different kinds of things. The Bible says that he leads us in the way of peace. He said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. I don't know, but I just know that God's going to do something. He's going to show me the way. So in other words, you, you take yourself out of all the consternation that you're experiencing in your life and you put yourself in a place of peace so that you really can hear from him. Are you with me? You know, the devil always wants to push. He's always trying to push people, you know, and, and, and force the issue. Whenever you feel that, you just need to back up and say, uh-uh. Remember when Lazarus died? They brought word to him, you know, Lazarus is sick, you know, and, and, and in the natural, you would have thought, well, Jesus, you need to get there, dude, or he's going to give up the ghost. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And he stayed in the place where he was for another two days. Now, if he'd have listened to the devil, he'd probably walked right back in because when he told his disciples, hey, we're going back, they're going, that is not a good idea. We just made it out of there by the skin of our teeth and you're wanting to what? And he said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If a man walks in the light, huh, he doesn't stumble. And he went back there and raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, sometimes, you know, you got impending, uh, imposing things coming in on you, you know, in your life. And, you know, there's this anxiety, this anxiousness that's, that's endeavoring to put. You just need to, you need to back away, man. Come away. Come apart. And just rest with him and say, Father, what do I need to be doing about this? I go as much by what God doesn't say as, as he, what, what he does say. Are you with me? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Man, I'm going to go down the road of life. I'm going to do what it is that I need to do. And if God tells me, uh, whoa, then we woe. But if he says go, then we go. Some people make so much of a, a, a big deal out of a lot of these different kinds of things. You know, uh, a moving train is a whole lot easier to navigate and move if, you know, if it's moving. You got a dead, well, maybe a, maybe a boat is a better example of that because a train's on a rail and can't go really any place but there, you know what I'm saying? But if you're a boat and it's moving, you can move, you can, you can, all right, does that make sense? Okay, good. I just kind of screwed that up. But anyway, so you say, well, what am I supposed to do? Do what you know to do. He'll get in touch with you. 
You with me? You say, you know, I just feel like, you know, if you've been praying about a certain situation and, and you know, you're, you're thinking about a direction that you want to go, go. Just go. I mean, because if, if, if that isn't the way he wants you to go, he'll tell you. Are you listening to me? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came today. Did you all learn something this morning? Yeah. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me if you would, please. We'll pray together. Let's just, let's commit this word to our hearts. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Father, we love you. And as we come before you today, Father, I thank you for every one of these precious people. And God, I thank you that the Spirit of God, for those that have been born again, dwells within them. And Lord, may it be a light and life and illumination to their hearts, to their minds, to everything that's going on within their lives. And I thank you, Lord God, that you lead them in the way of peace. And that they let peace serve as the umpire within their lives when it comes to the decision-making processes of their life. And I thank you, Father God, for helping them to keep themselves in the love of God so that your blessing may rest upon them strong in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. And then I'd like for you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just one moment, please. You know, this morning earlier, we talked about the gift of eternal life. And, and I want to... Uh, at least give you the opportunity, even those of you that may be watching online. I tried to outline the, um, the way of salvation and eternal life in the most simplistic way, I guess, than I, that I know how. And it may be that you have grown up thinking maybe some of the things that I mentioned earlier in the message today. And so I just want to ask you, you know, if you're here today, you've never ever realized that, you know, the responsibility rests with you to receive him. And, and you just say, well, I'm, I've never done that. I didn't know I was supposed to, uh, that I had to do that. But I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I know that he is the son of God. And I know that he came as a sacrifice for me. And I know, praise God, there is no other way to get to heaven except through him, and I wanna give him my life. If you're here today while your heads are bowed and eyes closed, you've never done that before, but you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, I, I, have, a, I have an interest in your prayers. I wanna know him as my Lord and Savior. Is there anyone here uh, before we pray today? Anyone at all? Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. If you're like me, I put it off. Don't do that. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Anyone at all before we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Those of you that are watching online, you may be sitting there and you may have just heard this message and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. You can do that. You can just simply pray a simple prayer. God, I need you. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I make you my Savior and my Lord in Jesus' name, and he will meet you right where you are and change your life forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, you can all look up here at me if you'd like. Um, hallelujah. I have one more thing that I wanna do before we receive our offering and I dismiss you. I know we've gone a little bit longer, but I didn't get to preach on Wednesday night. And that has to do, I, I, I have this sense um, within my heart it's easy to do too, boy. I, I, I know so well. 
But I want to address this issue of anger, a feeling of, of hate almost. Um, and, and just that whole negative way of thinking. So I'm going to ask you one more time uh, just to bow your heads with me. And, and if, if I believe that God wants to, I believe that he wants to change that in your life this morning. And, you know, if it, if it only has an application for one person, it'll be worth it all. But if you've been dealing with angry thoughts, hateful thoughts, things of that nature, I want you to know, first of all, it's not coming from God. It's coming from hell. And he wants to get in this fight with you. And he wants to help you to be delivered from that today in Jesus' name. So if you find yourself in that place and you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand? Any places I look? Thanks, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Number three, yes, thank you. Four, thank you. Five, you can put your hand back down again. Six, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Anybody else? All right, thank you, sir. God bless you. And another, okay. Thank you, Jesus. I want to uh, commend you um, on your acknowledgement. That's where deliverance begins. And I'm thankful for your doing that. And I believe with all my heart that when we pray together today, that what you're dealing with in your personal life, <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah, uh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Can interpret that, but there, I believe that there might be somebody here. You have an unction to interpret that. So just go ahead and yield to the Holy Ghost and and uh, give the interpretation for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, you got to do it by faith. I mean, you may only have one or two words. Just get out there and jump in the deep water and let God fill your mouth. Who's that person? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, all right. Praise God. Life is in him, saith the Lord.
There's grace and blessing for each and every one. There is grace and blessing for all. So as you enter into and follow after and lean into that which he has for you, grace will abound. And you'll see and you'll know and his blessing will rest upon you for good, not evil, as you enter into and as you press in to know him. Hallelujah. So let's go back to this thing here about this anger. And I'll explain this other matter to you here in just a moment, but stay with me if you would. Hallelujah. Um, the, the thing that I sensed earlier is, is that some of this, this anger or this uh, hate is um, very deep-seated. Uh, what I mean by that is, is I, I think that it's something maybe that is not more recent but has occurred long ago. Father, I thank you right now as we come before you for these that have responded, raised their hands before you, Father, acknowledging their need, Father, not only for forgiveness, Father God, but for deliverance. And I want to thank you right now, Father God, for making your will known to them and the power of God resting upon them with strength and with power. I want you to pray this prayer with me, church. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I know your plan for me and how much you love me. Lord, please forgive me. As I battled with this, I give it to you. I surrender the anger and hate and the things that I feel within my being. And I ask you, Lord, to live strong in me and deliver me from this problem in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I want you to stand with me, doggone it. I can't get away from this. If you raise your hand, come down here. My wife and I, we want to pray for you. Lay hands on you. Everybody stand. People who raise your hand, come on down. You know, sometimes as a minister, you don't want to... Um, you know, you don't want to bring it out in front of everybody, but, but I mean, we're family, and if you got a problem, can you get a little closer here? If you got a problem, then we need to be able to stand with you in this problem. So Joan and I, we're, we're, just, we're just ministers, that's it. We can't do anything, but we have been anointed by God. And the Bible says, you know, that we can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Well, you may not have a physical infirmity, but you know, your mind can be really challenged by whatever it is that you're going through. It's not healthy. And so we're just going to pray with you. We're going to agree with you. All these folks behind you that love you, they're going to stretch out their hands and they're going to believe God with you. And I tell you what, when, we, when Joan and I pray, we'll start down here, work this way. And when we pray and lay our hands on you, all I want you to do is just say, Lord, I receive your grace in my life. And if you'll do that, I guarantee he'll visit you right now and he'll take care of some things. Honey, you wanna come down here? Those of you that are in the congregation, will you please stretch your hands out toward these folks? Hallelujah. Think about if you were the one that were in this situation.
And I believe that your prayers would be earnest because of the need. Father, I thank you for each and every one of these individuals, Father, who've come today. God, I thank you for their courage. I thank you, Lord God, for the acknowledgement, just as we talked about, the need that is in their life. And Father, Joan and I, we lay our hands on them right now as a, a matter of agreeing with them that this, this uh, anger, hate, this thing that is on the inside of them, Father, can stay no more. And Father God, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We lay our hands on our brother. Father God, I thank you for the anointing of God to break that yoke. Satan, you take your hands off of him. And we declare in the name of Jesus that he is free never again. Hallelujah. Never again. Never again. Never ever again. And I thank you, Lord God, for teaching him and helping him, Father, show him how to protect his heart. Father, we lay our hands on our brother now in the name of Jesus. We take authority over this uh, in the name that is above every name. You have to go. You can't. There. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just receive. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name that's above every name. <laughs> this is the deep-seated one. Vemembri sesomombra and gedestasa. Father, go. Fill up that which is and supernaturally, Father God, extract, remove. Yes. No, in the name of Jesus, you'll have no more place here. You have to go. And Father God, I thank you for your grace in his life, Father. Amazing. A new man, a changed man right here, right now. And in all the most we lay our hands, Father, upon them in the name that is above every name, and we take authority over this that that's assailed itself against them. And I thank you, Lord God, there'll be no more of it. Thank you, Lord, for helping them to live a life that is honorable, pleasing unto you following, Father, the inward witness of the Spirit of God, no more to yield <laughs> to that which would kill, steal, destroy, and divide. And Father, we thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Lift our house in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be set free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a healing taking place. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord, for making Hallelujah. Say it with me. I believe I receive. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, the same for you. In Jesus' name, yes. Say, I receive. Yes, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Father God, hey, come on, church. Don't leave us here. Stay with us one more minute here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. As we lay our hands upon our brother, Father, I want to thank you right now for driving out everything. Yes, within his past. 
We're, we're drawing a line, Father, driving a stake. Today is the day of salvation and deliverance for him right now, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. No more, no more, no more, no more. No more. You take your hands off him in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for setting him free. Finally, Lord, <laughs> yeah, this is your day. I just thank you. <laughs> thank you, Father. Yes, for removing it. Oh, yeah. Say, Lord, I receive. Yes, thank you, Father. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You sense that? That's his presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Father, in the name that is above every name, we take authority over this anger, this hate, these negative or evil thoughts in the name of Jesus, and we command them to cease and desist. Yes. And Father God, I thank you. Yes, thank you, Lord, for replacing them. Yes, with thoughts of kindness, thoughts of love, thoughts of grace, thoughts of blessing. Ah, from within, the real person, who she is, not what the devil tries to think and make her believe. And Father, I just thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Everybody lift one hand up toward heaven. Father, we thank you today. Right now, Father God, for their deliverance in the name of Jesus. Father, from the top of their head, the soles of their feet, throughout their entire being, their thought life and their minds. God, we rejoice in your blessing in every one of these people's lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you guys. You can go back to your seats. Hallelujah.